Hi, my name's Elijah, and welcome to my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters. This week, my guest is Catherine Williams. Catherine is a much-loved and respected Mercury Award-nominated songwriter. She's also a novelist and an all-around lovely person. We sat down and had a chat about her songwriting process, how she loves to capture life through her creativity, her career so far, what it's like to be a songwriter, and all the little lessons, life lessons she's learned along the way. So please enjoy this podcast and subscribe, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, today on my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters, we have Catherine Williams. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hiya. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Catherine, I'm a huge fan of your songwriting, and I've been listening a lot the last few days, and I think you're quintessentially British writer and a bit of a national treasure, if you don't mind me saying so. Well, I could put that on a T-shirt. That yeah. would be <laughs> uh, One of the things I really get from your songwriting um is is a kind of pastoral magnificence and a playfulness and a kind of playful melancholy but also like an honesty and a bit of an elusiveness at times where you have these great lines but it's also but your songwriting is very poetic and uses imagery so i feel like i'm being uh, being invited into your universe in which you're kind of singing your songs about you and your life but you're also leaving a space which is poetic for me to find my own kind of relationship to your writing so my first question is how important is the balance of self-expression and honesty and poetry and imagery for you as a writer well i mean i might just lie here and bathe in that beautiful <laughs> synopsis of my writing um it's always funny hearing back what people think of your writing because there's none of the um there's none of the quest and the ache and the worry and the unsureness you know once something's been made people are like oh you always had a plan to do it that way mm. but um every song for me is a surprise and a learning and an edit um but it always starts from a kind of daydream or some sort of filmic idea where i begin with the seed of something and then get taken along by it okay. on the journey so yeah. um I'm never sort of, I'm not one of those writers who's like, I am definitely going to write about this subject and I want to cover tick, 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 tick. Right. I mean, when I co-write, which I do more and more all the time, um, it's, it's a different standpoint because you have to be on the same page of you know, you have to both own the song. And so yeah. you're describing and trying to explain where you are, even yeah. if that's a dreamlike state. Yeah. So there's more sort of, there's more, a more sort of succinct idea of, of what the song is when you're writing with someone else. Whereas when you're on your own, you can leave things in the mist to unravel and maybe change or swap around. So you do make it ambiguous. Yeah. But I don't really have a linear uh, narration or a linear way, story path, like a sort of, you know, country song or something. It's often just um, being inside the film of that particular moment of song. Beautiful. It's, I actually feel when I listen to you that there is, <clears throat> it does feel like I'm in a location, actually. So when when you start writing, is that do you have like an an image in mind, like a pictures or imagery in your head? Are you in like a kind of space, like a film space or a kind of location? Yeah, um, it's weird because over the years you've had to you have to start sort of explaining yourself or describing things, and it's and it's a strange place to be because so many years of creation was just i create 
and yeah. I just did it and there was no sort of explanation or thought process or having to sort of go through the process but I think after you've been a writer for a lot of years people want to know process or like how you come towards something yeah and I guess that's just a way to sort of deepen the understanding of what it is you're doing yeah and you know lots of the times and well pretty much my whole career I've never known what the fuck I'm doing and that's part of the joy Absolutely. you know every, everything is like an afterthought I do know that I'm brave enough or like open enough or vulnerable enough now to say things like that say that when I don't know what I'm doing and I do it anyway because I think there's a big fear of wanting to be taken seriously or you know like not revered but like kind of thought of as a proper artist or a proper writer or this yeah. or that and um and it's all geared towards like you know ego and that silly yeah. little voice in your head that's like what about me i'm mm. great <laughs> yeah. um but i just uh i i'm getting more and more free from that I guess all of my life I've wanted to capture things, whether that's been writing things down in a book and it always feels like it's been um, a secret capturing. Mm -hmm. Like I like to feel like it's just me writing something mm -hmm. and no one knows about it. Yeah. I get, uh, I get sort of colors and visions and tastes with particular chords and words going together and um, never really acknowledged that or told anyone about it for a long time. My, my process is quite similar to yours actually the way you've described it where I'm not trained and it's something that I just began writing from 12 and discovered it for myself and did that through I don't know just learning other people's songs to some extent but also like instead of kind of going to technical school or anything like that, I just kind of stuck at my own process of kind of trying to realize what that thing was that was coming through and trying to not, trying to get out of the way of it really and just allowing it to become something. And I was part of the adventure of the song rather than the me writing it thing. It's never really felt like that for me. Like I can sit down and write a song. And like you said, in collaboration, you, you sit down to write a song. But for me personally, the process is very much like this thing arrives or happens and I'm trying to just let it happen. And I'm, I know that I'm kind of writing it to some extent, but I really, from my own personal view, think that something's happening which is outside of, you know, craftsmanship or, or like technique. It's something else which is kind of like a meditative state or a dream state. And I'm trying to just without being lofty I'm trying to like channel it and get out of its way and sort of be in relationship with it is that is that the kind of similar thing you're saying well I know what you mean and I would love to say that I can get myself out of the way but the sort of beauty of coming to terms with yourself and your own uh like niggles and idiosyncrasies is that you can start to know the reasons you're being led one way or another creatively mm. so you can uh, I don't know I, I feel like creative process for me is in the making and it's in the deciding which way to go and how to fix the puzzle and that ultimately, if it's if it's a practice of your own, is your own way. Yeah. And I think for, for so many years I had imposter syndrome because I wasn't trained in music. I couldn't read music. Um, you know, just never thought like a person like me had the right to do it. Okay. And I was always feeling like the underdog in that in that respect. And then. I don't know, it's happened in the last sort of five years, six years where I have been writing with artists and then I got was like, 
well, I'm writing songs with them, so I must be a songwriter, mm. you know, even though I'd had 15 years yeah. of writing songs for myself. It was a sort of acceptance and a admittance and being able to not feel like a dick saying you're a songwriter, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Was there a moment when you decided to be a songwriter and commit to it as a kind of life path or career path was was there a you know a key moment in your in your younger years when you decided to commit to that i think you're confusing me with uh someone that knew what they were doing <laughs> okay i i did an art degree and oh, cool. in that way a kind of i always think that an art degree is as much a music degree because mm. you meet all the people who give you the best records to listen to yeah. and then you paint for like 10 hours a day with headphones on yeah. so you know it's definitely where i got most of my musical taste from and um found out the things that i loved and you know had so many listening hours um and doing that while uh visually creating something and making the same decisions yeah i now make in a songwriting way uh it's all interlinked i think but i, um, I, I agree I with you into, i just fell into music yeah so were you you were you were uh writing songs gigging i suppose at the same time as being at art, art college was is... no not at all so okay. i did my art degree and kept my writing songs a secret um, and then I was living in a shared house, doing some jobs in a vegetarian restaurant wow. um, while being on the dole, naughty, hope they don't come and find me, <laughs> um, living hand to mouth. And it was a house of like five with five other people in it. And they heard me singing in my room and i used to sing really quietly and they booked me onto a songwriter's night wow and I, and i didn't sleep the night before but i went and did it and i sang three songs in this pub wow. and then i got asked to do another one and on the second one there was some someone there from the enemy who wrote about me Fantastic. and then i made a record i got asked to london records who were part of warners at the time asked me if i wanted anything from them and i was so green it was unbelievable i was like yeah i'll have a few songs in the studio if i can own them so i did that put some songs from my four track and songs from downtown in the studio and put the first album out dog wow. loop Steelers. and then just rolled on to making the second album still on my own label and back then there wasn't no. any of this facebook or spotify yeah. or instagram or anything so it was quite unusual to mm. have your own label mm. um, and then that got nominated for the mercury and then things sort of took a different turn because it all went it kind of went brilliant and also shit because sure. uh, I got signed to a major label, but then was just riddled with imposter syndrome and yeah, pissed on all of my chips really, like was too scared to go on Jules Holland, was too scared to do all of these things that I was offered to do. Okay. Um, it's quite nice knowing now that I was really successful at failure. <laughs> Well, it is, I guess in a way, I mean, it's, is that failure in a way, at least you, I think what's really strong about that is you were being authentic to yourself, you know, by running your own label and actually some maybe saying no to things if you weren't feeling it, you know, it's, I think authenticity is quite an important thing in, in obviously in songwriting, but in, in who you are as well, because the music industry is obviously a, a kind of, can be a bit of a devil. So it sounds to me like you were maybe in a naive way possibly, but you were kind of owning your feelings at that point. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I was naive, but I also made sure that in the deal with Warners that it was a licensing agreement and that I would hand the finished album over to them. 
Well so done. in no way could they like have their corporate hands on my creation. So it was a weird thing to be part of a big machine, but I was kind of protected in so many ways from, from being someone that I wasn't. So the authenticity thing is, that's a big decision to make actually. And to, to be, to be, um, sure of and i respect more power to you for that because that's a lot of artists obviously and songwriters will quickly get corrupted by the label or managers telling you to write a song a certain way or make a record sound a certain way and and actually having spoken to lots of different people from all different levels of success one of the things that comes across even from the biggest bands i've spoken to is that they actually want to control their creative process and some of the people that are world famous and huge global stars actually just want to control their creativity. And, you know, some of the people that are less or aren't as big, if you like, have that creative control and, and they seem to be a lot happier and, um, you know, uh, purely happy in their, in their making of music, which is the point, right? Yeah, it is the point. I mean, my bank balance is full of authenticity and happiness. <laughs> Um, it's actually um it's a fantastic thing to realize in retrospect you know like i i think i find uh joy and humor in in the things that obviously weren't for me like years ago i would be bitter and jealous that you know people i had tour with or supported me then went on to huge fame and all of this and you know you can get pulled along by that mm. like why wasn't it me or what you know my my songs are good why aren't they getting on playlists and stuff like that mm. and you just a really nice mantra is um if you see someone else doing well is just to say wow that's great they're having their time yeah it just puts everything else to bed and um and my friend um david ford who you should definitely have on this because he's very um succinct in his thoughts he sent me a i, I was moaning at him this morning and he sent me a text saying that we really need to for our mental health as artists we need to separate our input and the output mm. um, and I just think that that's such a brilliant way you know like creatively you don't you don't want to be considering people's opinions or what the output will bring to you all yeah. you need to consider is the making and the doing absolutely true that's so true because the thing is the output is completely out of your control even if you could control everything that's it still would be out of your control because you can't control it and and you write the joy of creating which i you know i really hear that in your records and you know as sometimes you can listen to someone and and it feels like they're writing a song and they're, and they're doing this and it's a presentation if you like but when i listen to you i'm i'm and actually, when I read your book, which is fantastic, I'm in your world. And for me, that is the success is that you've um, opened up a space as a songwriter to people to to soundtrack their lives and be and invite them to somewhere else. You know, and that's that's what I get from you as a writer. And I, and I appreciate that isn't always like the thing that pays the bank balance, but it's kind of that surely is the kind of motivation at the purest level, isn't it? yeah absolutely and it's also when you were talking about um stepping to one side or whatever for the creative process i think the big thing is to remember that connection is a really big part of it when you're singing if you're if you believe it and it has a truth i don't necessarily because i'm a writer it's 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 never always autobiographical or like mm. like a, a diary or anything there might be seeds of things that i'm thinking about or parts of my life that i want to question and like 
tears apart. Um, but you have to have enough of you for the truth and then also remember to step aside so mm. that a connection can be built. There's a line on your new album, which is I was listening to last night, which is love doesn't change when you leave the stage. And and that <laughs> that says, you know, it really struck me because it's what you're saying there about having enough connection to your truth. But there's a space that you leave. You, for me, I just listened to that. I listened to it about four times in a row and just went, I, can't, I know what she means. What does she mean? But I also know, like, she's saying something about herself there, but like, it was really great because I could just go off into this whole space about what is that she's saying? I, I know what she's saying. There is like a, you know, I don't know if she's talking to someone uh, personally in her life or she's talking about the love of, of playing or the love you get back from fans or just the state of being in love. But what I love, it doesn't really matter what the answer is, but what I loved is that the, that through your process of being connected to yourself, but also kind of leaving a space, you know, I was able to kind of just have this moment. And that's a very generous thing as a writer. And I think your writing is full of that for me. You know, just little questions or observations. Um, there's another track, actually, which you talk about the um, moon being drunk and um, uh, and the earth kind of wanting to go on a, a one night stand. And you talk the about... Moon uh, karaoke, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you have this very playful um way of talking about everybody's happy and I'm just trying to be me and the wind the clouds are like sheep uh, I love the way it feels to me you have like a very good self-awareness of of that balance between that poetry and that honesty and you know I feel like I can find you as a writer in those words but there's this there's a really good balance it's almost sometimes quite funny as I sense that I can sort of hear you working something out and using using imagery and delivering a really beautiful idea, but also being almost funny and playful at the same time. I, I think that's what I meant earlier about the quintessential British thing in a way. It might be a Liverpool thing maybe, but there's like, there's humor. Yeah, or a, kink, a kinks thing. I thought like, of Ray Davis right? a lot whilst yeah, listening to you. I mean, I... I was a massive Kinks fan as an early teenager, yeah. and um, and obviously being from where the Beatles were from, I mean, you know, Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane is just round the corner from my house. Yeah. And when I was a, a a kid at school, we used to have Beatles songs in with the hymns, and it wasn't until I was much older that I realised they weren't church songs. <laughs> so you know, it's like the sort of mesh of 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 what that songwriting was to me was huge but yeah I, um i've never really enjoyed the singer songwriter who wants you to think how clever they are mm. i'm really not interested in that and when i'm when i feel like i've achieved something it's not to be thought of that way. It's so that it does exactly what you were saying, that it has, it, you know, it can be, it can be playful and heartbreaking, like milliseconds apart. And, you know, a statement in a lyric shouldn't, shouldn't have a, a black or white yes or no answer. The best bits are when there is this sort of there's a statement, so it's it's giving you something, but it's the answer is five or ten questions to yourself, and that. that's my excitement. That's I my excitement. That. I think in the song the the me for you, which is my favourite song on your on your last record. That I mean that is it's so beautiful. Um, it's just one of those tracks which is just like it's got everything you've just said and it is so hooky and such a great melody but it does exactly what you said it it, it asks questions whilst giving you your expression you know and i just think that's a very it's actually quite a rare thing and and you do it masterfully well 
you need to stop now and get okay let me let me move on to some questions (laughs) because when you collaborate because i'm aware that you collaborate a lot um with some key people um that seem to be part of your kind of um team if you like but you also collaborate with lots of different writers what do you gain from that process as because you're we've just established you're you're a very authentic uh songwriter in your own world as an artist but when you collaborate with other people other writers or yeah other writers what do you gain from that um process what's 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 great about it and what's what's the challenge for you well it's sort of a different it it comes in different guises so i write for artists for their projects and then i I co-write with people just to co-write and then i'll co-write for projects so if i'm writing for someone for them um it's when i first started doing that i realized that it was a beautiful sort of coming together of my two worlds of being a mother and being a songwriter so i was able to want the best for them understand them and it kind of like work out what their voice is work out what they want to talk about like so i'd almost be like um a secretary so recently i've just done um, a co-written album for this big swedish artist and you know it would all come from the talk and we'd just talk and talk and i would write down bits that would come out so it was part therapy part secretary mm. part whatever and then you know we'd start to like circle round the issues that would be coming back or saying well what do you want to write about and then it's just about making it authentic for them like making the words fit their voice um making it feel like the rhythm suit who they are so mm-hmm. it's 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 a, it's a tailoring process and it's yeah. exciting and yeah. it's really good fun is it ever challenging as as you know um with personalities yeah, yeah. because yeah. ultimately you know sometimes you're working with you know big stars who you know unfortunately for them are mostly surrounded by people who are on the payroll and nobody wants to say no to them so they can be a bit tantrumy or they can be a bit like ego-y but it's trying to find the best of them within that and show them that the creative process is the joy yeah so i was going to ask you how often do you write songs is it a daily thing uh Um, I'm always putting things either into my notes in my phone or I carry a little thing with me, but it's never a song. It's just observations or things that have sort of tweaked my interest, you know, and that could just be like, going to the beach and then seeing an old couple helping each other up the stairs and I write you know Whitby an old couple helping each other up the stairs okay and then that might trigger something on later or I'll get sort of a really good line that has a perfect weight in its rhyme and I'll write that down And then other times I'll come in the studio on my own and I'll sit and write four or five songs in a day. Or I'll write four and five songs with a friend. Or I'll come to the end of two weeks and I won't have written anything. There's no, you know, I'm I'm not particularly a creature of habit apart from the fact that I will capture as often as I can. And that might be a poem or it might be the book or it might be some painting or drawing or sketching. I think I'll always have the capturing um, as part of who I am. Yeah, absolutely. Your book is wonderful and you've collaborated with um, uh, Laura Barton, the, the music journalist and writer, and also you've 
written um songs you were commissioned to write songs on um from sylvia plath's work um writing and is writing is obviously very dear to you but is how important is reading to you as as a songwriter is that a, an important thing yeah i think reading is more important to me than uh listening to music i think when i'm in the creative process of making a record i have to be really select of what i want to listen to because mm. i don't want to i don't want to sully the sort of process of melody that i'm working on yeah whereas with writing it's always especially poetry as i've got older it's that sort of um, honing your writing skill by being humbled by other people's brilliance. That's yeah. really important to me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. You actually said something in your biography about the things that influence you aren't necessarily going to come out in obvious ways unless you're trying to copy. I don't sound like Lou Reed or Tom Waits, but when I listen to them, I learn. That's a really eloquent way of saying what you just said there as well about being humbled by someone else's talent and learning from the way they write as a songwriter or a writer. And I really like the way you put that into words there because I think you can do a lot of, like these days there's a lot of kids doing songwriting courses, which is great. They weren't around when I was growing up and, and when you were growing up, we, we just had like records and words. Mm. And when I'm personally asked like, how do you write a song? If someone hasn't written a song before, I'm like, well just go and listen to all the people that you think or you've heard are great, go and, go and invest your some time and money into listening to them and read as much as possible. Um, so do you, you know, when you, when you listen and read other people, you're studying and learning from them and having that osmosis kind of effect on your writing. It, it impacts your, your creativity that way through kind of picking up things they're doing. Is that how you'd explain that? Yeah, being sort of... Um... They say, don't they, that like a really good thing to have in your life is wonder. So like the first week of January, I always go to the beach or go for a walk in the woods or go somewhere where everything is bigger than me and experience wonder, you know, like a kid. And I think that that's the um, that's the magic that helps you have a, a, a joy of creating because you know that there's things yet to discover mm. and um, you know god forbid I ever come to the point of teaching or tutoring where I think I've got loads to tell I've got loads to teach you you know because I am not that person and mm. you know when I tutor at Arvon or whatever the the biggest thing that is I think is my responsibility is creating a safe environment where people aren't scared of failure so that they can be playful yeah and it's in the being playful and the recognizing that a mistake is just uh is just another turn towards where you're wanting to go yeah um People are so scared. I mean, I know that I'm coming from the point of view of that was me. Yeah. Scared of making mistakes, scared of shame, fear of not being good enough and all of those things when actually like it's not life or death writing a song. You know, you can write a song, throw it in the bin and the day will still continue. Um, but. <laughs> In the same point that you sort of have to have that lightness of touch of this is not the most important thing in the world. Mm, mm. It also is the most important yeah, thing in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and yeah, I guess, oh, I don't know, it's, 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 it's hard to put into words sometimes. But my favourite thing is being on my own, writing something in my book and playing around and then laughing uncontrollably 
at the fact that it's either brilliant or it's shit or both <laughs> and whether or not I'm going to share that. Uh, and you know, that's kind of, for me, it's like the jumping out of an aeroplane, you know, I'm, I'm a fearful little small creature who's doesn't like big crowds and you know my my adrenaline rush is like writing words in a book and putting mm. that to music yeah and then i would say the second best thing is doing that process and having those same feels and laughs and vulnerabilities and joy but doing that with another songwriter and sharing mm. that process mm. Beautiful. When you finish your own song, so not in collaboration, but when you um, when you've had that moment and you're on your own in your room and you know doing your favorite thing, do you ever play your songs to someone else to kind of get their response, or do you do you have someone to go to to check if the song is like of value to another, or do you just rely upon your own instincts when you pick the songs for records? I have a few people that I will send voice memos to that I know it's more in the sending it that makes it concrete. Yeah. And I know that they're kind and gentle enough to, if they like it, then that's great. And if they don't like it, it won't discourage me. Yeah. Um, and I've had it quite a few times. I mean, so like uh, Chime Like a Bell, I had that song written with this guy, Matt Dayton, for quite a while. And I'd played it to a few people and they were like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. And but in my head, I was like, well, you obviously don't get it because <laughs> I know that this is really, really good. And And, you know, there is that kind of like steely core in me that yeah. if i know something is good yeah and nobody else has recognized it 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 won't discourage me yeah. from knowing that that's good yeah. and i think that that's a really important thing to cultivate it's yeah. not about like thinking you're fucking brilliant all the time or whatever but to cultivate a, a sort of knowing of what you like and that's with other musicians as well yeah. like loads of the artists who are my favorite artists um have not had the recognition that i think they deserve yeah but i f i know how good they are yeah and i don't need populism popularism or you know a a music writer to tell me that something's good you know i think there's too many people who don't really know if they think something is good or not and need to be told yeah and um i really mistrust that it's the only time when i th you see i really mistrust people who have no doubts and who are completely sure of themselves yeah i um, i used to think like there was something wrong with me if i sat on the fence and couldn't have a necessary decision about something mm. and i thought that there was something lacking with me but i think people that come to quick judgment are either psychopaths or presidents <laughs> <laughs> um it's like lots of people decide that they're going to show strength by having an opinion without really going into depths of it um but knowing how you feel and how something reacts within you in an emotional way, which is where songs should always come from. You should hone that and you don't have to know why you like it, but you can go, this is right for me. This is yep. good for me. This speaks to me. So I think that that's the best thing when it comes to choosing the songs that you, that you want to represent you. Yeah, you know, because I, I, we write way more songs than we're ever putting out. Yeah. And it's that sort of terrible kill your children kind of position where you mm. need to you need to work out why this song can be on a record and this one can't. It's like it's, it's I think it's as much about the editing of of what you want heard.
Yeah, I think you've hit some really great stuff there because one of the things that I think is the most important thing to develop as a songwriter, and it's clear to me before you even just said that, that you've done that, is to know what you like and it doesn't matter what other people think and to know, you know, it might be, for example, just coming to my head, there's a song by a band called Octopus that were like this band in the, I don't know, Britpop era. And they released a song called Your Smile. And for some reason, that song just really resonated with me for some reason. I've never listened to anything else they've done. And I think they just split up like pretty soon afterwards. But to me, that song is like one of the greatest songs ever written. And I don't even know why. But then what you're saying is you can have those moments about songs and then wonder or a film or knowing what you don't like is equally as important because what you're doing is developing your sense of a voice as of a songwriter of an artist and that's that's really nothing that you can be taught other than you listening to your reactions and instincts about things isn't it yeah that's just about yeah your in your instinct is it more than knowing your voice because that's a, that's like a tricky one because that's sort of i was thinking about this and the idea of like uh idols and like people who come to your gigs and who believe you're a much better version of you than you actually are and then and then you can get enamored by the idea of people thinking of you as much better than you mm. are so mm. um so like finding that voice i think if you're looking for a, a voice it can often lead to that idea of what you think other people think you are mm. whereas the vulnerability kind of thing you know cracking open your rib cage and letting people poke around at the soft center of you is painful but it's a really good way to to have a superpower i think all these years of my um not feeling good enough or like phobias agoraphobias and like imposter syndromes and things like that i think i was always trying to hide my vulnerability right. and that's where the fear came in and then when i realized that part of showing that vulnerability was actually how to connect yeah then it became my superpower yeah that's a really beautiful way to put that you know you spoke about the imposter syndrome but when you when you got nominated for the murky music prize which is hugely brilliant and and something that many songwriters would love to have happen to them did that nomination and that time of your life did it make you believe in yourself as a writer or you're sort of i'm picking up the idea that it made you feel like i'm not, not necessarily that made you feel like an imposter but obviously you got acclaim and praise and seen and validation and all that kind of thing but as a writer did that how did that kind of was it more pressure or how did it help you? Yeah. Or... I mean, the brilliant thing about the Mercury is, I mean, it happened 23 years ago and yet I'm still considered a Mercury Music Prize mm -hmm. nominee, which, uh, you know, so I think that that will be tattooed on my career forever. And it kind of meant everything and nothing. You know, I didn't win it. Um, I found out from three of the judges that I was two points away from winning it from Badly Drawn Boy. So I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it was all kind of a dream, really. And that's how I got my publishing deal and my record deal and met lots of people. And it was kind of like a Cinderella story. But I think big thing of careers in hindsight is that when you start off in music and you get to like a sort of level like that like the like an award or something or you know I was flavor of the month for a long time mm. around that and was written about a lot and you think that that's like the first step to go further right you know, and I think a lot of people feel like that with their careers, you know, sure. they're like, oh, I got this Mercury thing and second album and on this, you know, where am I going to be in five years? I'm going to be right up there. <laughs> and um, the realization that um, 
any sort of creative career is about managing a steady decline um, and you know like the slow air coming out of balloon if you can do that gracefully if you can navigate a decline gracefully with maybe having sort of moments where you're lifted back up in the air again then and you can concentrate on just carrying on and creating and for the quest to be making better things each time regardless of how they're received then i think that's the way you can stay sane in this business yeah yeah i mean also i mean you know that your new record sounds as fresh and full of life and enthusiasm and secret corridors and magical kind of days on your own outside in the woods all, all of that stuff which you know was there from the beginning in your career is is there now and in some ways is even more cinematic i think it's 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 still it's still there and it's still you and that sounds that's that's the success i think yeah well also i would say with the new record that a massive part of the cinemascope and the audio brilliance is all down to ed harcourt who produced it and yeah. i work with really closely and collaborate with and you build these bonds and trust and and freely give away like power to people you trust yeah. knowing that they're going to come up with something brilliant and yeah. you don't take all the credit for it yeah, yeah i would happily say that that record has got my name on it but it should have me and ed i would say that he takes um you know so much of the credit for the way it sounds and has those soundscapes and equally like that record is i think there's more co-writes on that record than any record i've had before right and it's a joy to share it yeah yeah and it's freeing to think you know i don't want to take all the credit for this <laughs> you sound like you're very you know in a really great place as a person and, and as a writer and very kind of you know your journey has led you to what seems to be a very kind of zen-like place in your understanding of what you are as a writer and and your career and and the reason why you write you know it's it's refreshing to hear that <laughs> well you know i think i think that's true i think i am in a good place but i think a lot of that is giving things away like becoming a tutor at arvon and doing co-writing and just realizing that everything isn't all about you it's mm. like when you have kids and you suddenly yeah. like oh my god where did all my time go yeah, yeah <laughs> i had yeah. all this time and now i have none but um and it's also i i don't know how many records or songs i've got in me so i have to see the magic of it you yeah. know i go to gigs now and i'm in sort of rapture of being at an event that is a one-off event that will never happen again. Even if people are on tour, they're not going to play those songs in the same way. And I think I, my head had been sort of sullied with the Spotify thing, not so much the money side, but like the idea that everything had playlists and titles and, mm. you know, and I'd already fallen down the back of the sofa by not being folk enough or not being rock enough or not being right. cool enough or alternative yeah. you know all of those things um which is why i loved it when you said that i was quintessential quintessentially english and you talked about the kinks because i kind of feel like the kinks and the beatles and velvet underground and those sort of like artists who aren't necessarily inside a genre or feel free enough to dip in and out of different genres without needing to 
qualify themselves. Yeah. That's where I want to sit, but it doesn't mean that you you can't get on playlists for this or that or you can't be part of a gang. So I've kind of created my own gang of songwriters and we help each other out. <laughs> I think I think you actually hit something there maybe maybe I'm picking up. It's the Spotify thing is a bit of a I know what you mean the playlist thing it's a bit of a new kind of obstacle to kind of make you feel bad as a songwriter in some way like you know trying to fit yourself into playlists like I went through that of trying to well what are we you know and and I just in the end thought well if something ever gets playlisted in a big playlist fine but like I'm not going to kind of try and sort that out they're much more interested in the next song or the next record and and like those people you spoke about I don't think they would have um change what they were doing to fit a Spotify playlist either. I think they'd have followed their instinct and written the next song which comes up and then the next song that comes up like dominoes yeah. and just that's you know something to remember I think sometimes in in the age of playlisting and songs that have 90 billion plays and all this kind of stuff it's like well you know there's a long line of songwriters who um have had all degrees of success but actually if they're committed to the art and the process they'll find their audience and find their way, you know. Yeah, it's like David said, the input and the output. Yeah, yeah. Let me um, ask you a few final questions. If you could suggest a songwriter to aspiring songwriters or just to songwriters in general who you love, whether they're kind of hugely famous or not, who would you suggest people listen to, writers that you love? Um. I think Devon Spruill is one of my, Devon Spruill and Laura Veers are two of my favourite songwriters, um, women making music right now. Yeah, um, yeah there's um, a song by my friend Polly, who's on the same label as me, on her new album called Snakeskin, um, which I just think is a perfect song. It's written about her being with their father when he dies, but it that sounds heavy and deep, and it is, but it it's it just takes a different turn, mm. and um, and I found that a song that I've gone back to a lot, and I really like the sort of dreaminess of Big Thief, the band Big Thief. I like that um, it it feels like a waking dream when you listen to them. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I I learn things all the time from from listening. And at the moment, because I'm in between records, I'm doing a lot of musical listening. Um, so that's good fun. Excellent, good good um recommendations there. Is there do, or two questions? Do you have a favourite song that you've written? Do you have a song which like is? the one that you kind of feel like you nailed whatever it is you're looking to nail. So is there a favorite song of yours or? Um, there's two songs that are coming on the new album that I've been playing a lot, which I feel like I've managed to like get to the top of the cliff on. Awesome. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, it's hard for me with older songs because I often feel that um, it's like looking back and sort of not recognising the person mm. of them, you know? Mm. Yeah, like I even my voice, like younger and um, mm. not to say that they're not as good. You know, pe most people think that I've only ever written one album and that was the Mercury one and that was the best. And I've got lots of artists, you know, like Van Morrison, where I only ever listen to Astral Weeks yeah. for him, you know, yeah, so yeah, I can understand yeah. all of that. But yeah, I've, I feel like there's some, there's a lyric from um, Mirrorball, which was on the third album. And there's a line from that, which I keep coming back to that I feel like I nailed my life in which uh, the line is, um, I was searching for something divine and ended up making the mundane into my shrine. Nice. And, um, and I guess that's 
that's like the yin and yang of my life. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Um, going back to that wonder that you're looking for, you know, if you can find that wonder in the small, it's really interesting you hear you say that actually because I think that's very apparent on your records that 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 manifesto, if you like, in that line is is it's there, you know, and and in your book actually, like there's like small things and you know kind of little experiences and when we wrote together actually there's a line that you you came up with which was um it isn't what it was before and i remember just going yes that is exactly the right thing but it's like so elusive and these little moments sometimes in life are quite elusive and you don't know why you're suddenly got this melancholy for this moment you had when you're a kid with the sun in the woods, when you found something, you know, all those little moments, I always feel like your songs are full of those moments and then kind of glorified, if you like, through melody and song. What you mentioned then about the small things, I do think that, um, that, that detail is what helps truth sing. Mm. And like, you know, that pop songs have a lot of, um, uh, common ground and popularism for like to have an openness enough for a large audience yeah. but i do think that if you can if you can focus right down onto the detail of something it makes people believe it's true that's brilliant it's great advice to any writers out there that's a very good idea because an anthemic chorus which is is big and open and you know has sentiments in it is one thing but to approach writing in that way with detail is is a different kind of way in, but equally, if not more valuable in some ways. Okay, Catherine, thank you for your time, but let me ask you one last question. And this is a question which is probably gonna, the answer might change from day to day or minute to minute. But if, if you could have written any song other than your own work, what song would that be here and now today? Um, maybe like, like a bird on a wire, Leonard Cohen, or a Paul Simon, I mean, Paul Simon, I'm just so heavily into at the moment. I grew mm. up with him and the more and more I dive into him the more he's managed to make whole paperback novels in three minutes with his lyrics. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, maybe, maybe American tune by him. Useful. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And what's uh, coming up for you at the moment then? Where, where can people kind of uh, expect to see you pop up next or find your next work? Uh and I've got like a Radio 2 thing on at the moment um, with a song me and Chris Difford wrote for this Sunderland for you boatman. And I'm making my new album in the next couple of months, which is going to be very small, as small as I can make it. And uh, I'm writing an album with Withered Hand, um, Dan Wilson. I'm writing with... Paul Weller, I'm writing with um, Matt Dayton, I'm writing with Chris Difford, I'm writing with Michelle Stoddart. Yeah, lots of writing. Fantastic. Well, that sounds like the most wonderful life you have going on there. That's amazing. Yeah, Brilliant. but now I'm just going to go and clean the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. I'm going to go back in the floor. So that's the two of us. Of uh, Yeah, going to go and write a song whilst, uh, consider songwriting whilst vacuuming. <laughs> um, small things, everyday things. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Lovely conversation. To with it all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>